Thank you for listening to the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church to do lifestyle ministry. We pray it will help you as well. Uh, so tonight we're going to do, we're going to talk about this topic of reintroduce to God as Father. And so um, I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 for a moment. Um, because this is obviously, we're, we're following up from some of the stuff that we did today. Um, there's... And so as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and I hope, um, I hope this study has been as good for your soul as it's been for mine, uh, but looking at the life of Jesus and what he taught us to do, but if you think about it, Matthew chapter 7, we looked at this uh, issue of prayer this morning, and going to continue to unpack a little bit, but if you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7 through 11, this is the ask and it will be given passage that we studied today. Um, Next week, we're going to be looking at what's the golden rule and a tree and its fruit, right? Do unto others what you what, what have them do unto you. Talk about what that really means, which is an important thing. Uh, Easter Sunday, we're down to verse 21. I think this is appropriate the way that God lined this up together, where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That might be a good Easter message for all of us to get our head around, right? Um, and then the Sunday... After Easter, we're going to be verse 24 that says about the, the builder building his house on the rock. And then if you hear the words and don't apply them, guess what? When the storm hits, house crashes, right? So uh, we'll, we'll end up the Sermon on the Mount series uh, the, the Sunday after Easter. And then um, for the rest of, I guess, the, the spring, we're going to be spending about three weeks in the uh, Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Uh, if you know, there's a minor prophet who basically says, why is all this bad stuff happening to me, God? And God speaks to him and tells him how he's strengthened him through that. And then come, we're going to spend about six weeks, May and, and to, through June, uh, to talk about a family proverbs. The book of Proverbs, when you look at relationships as it relates to family and parenting and marriage and all that kind of fun stuff. So y'all will pray for me because my counseling load will go up this spring, but in a good type of way, right? Um, but the reason that we do this, the reason that we go through a lot of these um, situations is that we really want to understand the heart of God. And as we looked at this passage today, because I know some of you uh, weren't able to be in one of our services today, I want to remind us of kind of where it is. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be what? It will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks you for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so really as this relates to prayer, it comes down to this. When you're praying, you need to remember that God is not only God in heaven, but he is your Father. Right? This is what he keeps going back to. If your son asks you this, if earthly dads sometimes get this right, don't you think your heavenly dad can handle this? He keeps going back to this heart of God and why this is so important. If I think through this passage of Scripture, one of the things that um, I've, I've told this story before here at the church, but um, one time I decided that I wanted to surprise my kids, uh, and we had set up a trip to the Great Wolf Lodge. Does anybody know what Great Wolf Lodge is? Okay, some of you know what that is, right? So basically it's a water park where you stay there. It's on steroids, okay? So like you go in this water park, it's indoor, you get a hotel room, and you just stay there, and basically you try not to lose a kid. And, uh, and it's just really, it's great. It's great if you're a kid. There's, you know, wolves and stuff like this and, like, Disney character costumes kind of deal. It's awesome. Um, our, our family had been, I think, one time, and then I wanted to surprise them. So, so one morning I get up, I think it was, like, a Thursday, and, and they came in like, Dad, you're not dressed for work. And I was like, well, I'm dressed. They're like, yeah, but you're not dressed like the way you typically go to the church. Like, what's going on? I said, ah, 
I don't feel like going to work today. They're like, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. It's just, I was thinking about we going on an adventure. Where are we going to go? I'm like, I don't know. Let's just see what happens. They're like, really? And I said, yeah. They're like, do we need to get anything? I was like, no, you don't need to get anything because we packed your bags last night. And I had it in the back of the van. So, so we get in the van and whatnot, and they're all just dying, right? My three kids, um, Obi's like, well, we're doing this. And Eli's like, I need to know. He needs to know all the details. And Gloria's like, please tell me what it is. I'm like, why don't y'all take a guess? What do you think we're doing? We're going to go on an adventure. And Dad took off work, and let's go do something awesome, right? And they said, I know. I I know we're going bowling and I thought okay that's cool right <laughs> bowling is awesome but dad's taking off work bowling is across the street from where we live like you can go bowling anytime you want to but we don't I know but we could okay so it's a little bit bigger I know I know it's putt-putt once again that's awesome I love putt-putt but but it, it's near like we're gonna go out of town where do you think we could go to be something so cool and my oldest son Obadiah goes I know it I know it we're going to Kmart <laughs> now listen I I grew up on the big K, okay? Like, I mean, I, I, I'm thankful for the Kmarts, okay? But I, there was something inside me that just died that, that morning. I thought, they think the best thing that their dad is going to do for them is to take them to Kmart today. So I thought, I really failed as a father, right? And, and, and deep down, sometimes they're thinking this, and yet, what was I wanting to do? I was wanting to, even above and beyond, they could, what? Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything we could ever ask or think. Sometimes, folks, we think Kmart, and he's going, are you kidding me? You want Kmart? And i got something even better for that. I, I, I've got you guys. I have so much good planned for you. And so that, that day, as I shared with them what we were going to do, and they were pleasantly surprised, um, it reminded me so much about how sometimes we think so little of God and so little of what he might do for us. And while this is so important, as, as we talked about prayer in, in the sermon today, this is... I do believe this is probably one of the most key things that some of us have to get right in our lives if we're ever going to understand how to follow God. And as I mentioned in the sermon today, I'm not going to rehash all, all that stuff there, but so many of us had a cringe the first time we went to church and someone said, let's pray to God, and someone said, our Father, and you thought, ill. Because your example of a father may not have been a good one. Um, there's a lot of fathers that are estranged. You don't know him? Abandoned? Maybe you never even knew him. Maybe he hasn't been good to you, hasn't been good for you. There's just been a lot of, I think Satan has literally attacked families by going at dads and saying, let me see how I can, I can break down the fabric of society. Typically when you find someone who's broken and really messed up, you keep going down the road and you'll find there has been a father who created a father wound in someone, right? And so I think that the moment when Satan learned onto God's trick that he was going to say, you know what I want my people to call me? Father. He goes, that's what I'll go after right there. That's what I'll go after. Let me break down the family unit. Let me attack the men. Because if I can attack fathers deep down, guess what? I, I can attack their, their view of God. If I sit down with people in counseling situations, what I typically find is that a lot of times the way that people will view God are also how they view their earthly dad. Okay, give me an example. There are some people who think God is very temperamental. You mess up, he's going to do something real quick to you, right? You think God's going to throw the lightning bolt out of the sky, right? You had a bad week, God probably did that because he was mad at me. And you go, now what was your earthly dad like? Well, he was kind of quick-tempered. Whenever I mess up, quick to spank me, quick to yell at me, quick to, uh, oh, really? Huh. There's some people who think, I know that God's out there, but he's just kind of far off and distant, and you really just don't know him, and he just kind of comes and goes in your life. I'm going, tell me about your earthly dad. Well... 
I didn't really know him. I mean, he'd come around a couple times a year, but kind of in and out, give me a gift every so often, but I never, I, really. Y'all seen this? Now, if we had time, I, I'd probably go down every single one and say, your relationship with your parents has something to do with your theology, good or bad. It does. And, and so what do you do about that? Some of us need some repairing tonight. Because don't make God hold the baggage of what your dad did to you. Don't put God in a bad light because your earthly dad wasn't a good father. Don't do that. So as we think through this, many people's experience with earthly fathers taint the idea of God as heavenly father, does it not? Some of us have had a bad experience of what that is, and so it taints the idea of God as heavenly father. We cannot follow God fully if we are unable to embrace him as father. This is what Jesus said when he said, if you're going to pray, you pray our Father, And so the importance of fatherhood as it relates to the Bible, this is something I don't think I've ever really taught on in this. This is so helpful for me as I went through this this week to make these notes. But always think about this, that when Jesus came, he was teaching us something. He was teaching us that as we follow him, we're to follow him to something, right? And, and so with this, I want you to get this in your mind, that if God wanted us to treat him like a general, Jesus would have come as a soldier. Make sense? If God wanted us to think of him as a general, Jesus would have shown up as a soldier. He'd have gathered the troops. He'd have told us to take the enemy lines, and that's what he would have done. That's not how Jesus came. He did not come as a soldier because he doesn't want God, for us to think of God as a what? As a general. And, and, and let's be honest. I mean, some of us have thought, of like, okay, I'm in the army of God. And some of you sang the song back at VBS, Onward Christian Soldiers. That, that's fine. I ain't I had anything wrong with that. But when Jesus came, he did not come as a soldier because he didn't want us to think of God as a general. If God wanted us to treat him like a boss, Jesus would have come as a worker. Many of us think this way. Okay, we're just working for, for the Lord. Hey, that's good. I, I feel like I, I work for the Lord every day. I want to wake up and say, okay, what, what are you into, right? But, but if that's all it is, report for duty, clock in, clock out, what does boss man want you to tell? Is that a relationship? Some of you have been good employees for someone you couldn't stand, right? You have. There are probably some church people right now at our staff right now. Like, yeah, exactly right, Pastor. Okay, no, you have probably worked for people. You've done a good job. You could not stand the person that you work for. So God's not wanting us just to treat him like a boss. Now, if God wanted us to treat him like a concept, Jesus would have come as a student, philosopher, an academic. And how many of us have treated God as some lofty concept or idea and not as a tangible person to be able to know? As a father. So he didn't want us to treat him as a concept. Jesus, yes, there, obviously there's a learning aspect. But since God wanted us to treat him as a father, Jesus came as a what? Son. son. He wants you to approach God as a father, and so Jesus came as a son. I, I give you an example of how this, this fleshes out. Um, has anyone ever, if, if you've ever studied the concept of the Trinity, how God is three yet one, if you've ever tried to explain that to someone, right? You realize how difficult that is? It's challenging. And you go, preacher, can you give us the, 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 the simple way to do it? No, I cannot. And I'll also say this, if God was simple to be able to describe, like a lot of people say, well, you know, God being a trinity is kind of like he's, a, he's the egg, right? He's kind of the shell, the yolk, the different line of stuff is different, but it's all unique. If God could be equated to an egg, he's not that impressive anymore. Is that fair? Okay. Like, there should be some level of, God, this is, this is so amazing. So, while Jesus was the Son of God, he also was God in the flesh, right? So he is God, but when he comes and he takes human form, comes as a young 
baby, grows up to be a man, dies at age 33 his entire life, even as a young boy, when his earthly parents misplaced him, right? Where do they misplace him? So the temple, right? Mama comes rushing back. What have you been doing? I was had a heart attack. I'm where, I've been looking for you everywhere. And he says, don't you know that I had to be where? In my father's house. Joseph was with me. We live over there. What are you doing over there? It's a different father I'm talking about, Mom. Different father. From a young age, he's talking this kind of language. Hey, Jesus, can you teach us to pray like John the Baptist? He used to teach all of us how to pray. And man, his prayers were awesome. But you seem that when you pray, stuff happens. How do you pray? He goes, all right, follow me. Our Father. Come again. Nobody prays like that, Jesus. We all pray to the omnipotent king of heaven and earth. Majestic in wonder, mighty in splendor, and in words that we cannot spell or articulate very well. That's how people pray in religious circles. And he said, Abba, Papa, Daddy, we're talking to you. Our Father in heaven. My dad lives at the beach. My earthly dad does. There's some perks when your dad lives at the beach, you know? He didn't live on the beach. He lives at the beach. It's like a mile from the beach. But there's still some perks when your dad lives at the beach. So I say, my daddy lives at the beach. That's pretty cool, right? My heavenly dad lives in heaven. Everything that I need is at his disposal. So these are big theological words. There's the transcendence of God means he's other than he transcends us, right? The eminence of God means he's close to us. When we say our father in our Father imminent in heaven transcendent. He is yet close, but he's also so far beyond any of us, right? The beauty of God's transcendence that he is so big is that he's so near that he wants to be near us, right? So, so it comes down to this. Jesus comes and says, so if you're going to follow me, this is what I want. I want you to follow God as if he's your dad. That's what I want. And many of us have a big, big problem with that. Because we've got baggage. We've got issues. Some that we've created, some that others have created for us. I mentioned in the sermon today that if you look at most of the, uh, I don't know what year it probably changed, but if you were growing up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, whatnot, there were some pretty decent fathers on television, right? But around late 70s, early 80s, they went away. Every dad was a deadbeat moron. Every single one, right? Homer Simpson was the, the, the candidate for father of the year, right? That's, that's what I grew up on. That, that's the idea. There's a guy who doesn't know what in the world's going on. You look at all the major movie stuff from Star Wars, father issues. All your Marvel films, uh, father issues. Even look at Pixar, father issues. Everywhere we go, there are these, these moments pointing us to this. And Jesus says, no, no, no. We're going to repair this, and I want you to know that if, if there's any way, Jesus came as a son to say, when you follow God, follow him as your father, as your dad. And, and, and so when Jesus would pray. There's one night he prayed all night before making a decision. All right, you Bible scholars, do you think Jesus had to pray all night to decide which 12 disciples he was going to choose? Uh, Peter or Bob? I don't know. Let me stay up all night. I think he knew exactly what he'd do. Why did he do that? Y'all need to watch this. When you have a major decision, you need to talk to your dad all night about it if you got to. So I'm, I'm going to do this so you see. Uh, I, I'm going to help this person out. So you, do. I'm, I'm going to wash these people's feet. Why? Because that's what, what we do, okay? He, he's showing us the way. 
And so breaking this down, there's just a lot of verses that I pulled together that help us understand uh, the heart of God. And, and I want us to talk, there's kind of five major sections that we'll go through and, and walk through these. And, and I really do mean this. Um, you know, the, uh, the people who, who do the sketching, if there's a, a crime that's happened and someone comes in and says, can you describe the person and they're, they're sketching it out, right? I think some of us have a wrong identity of who God is. We got stuff in our mind, and if someone were to sketch it out, it does not look like the God of the Bible. And tonight I want to repair that for some of us. So if we look at the Father's presence, we have to realize this. The very fact that we are children of God means that God wanted us to be his in the first place. You ever thought about that? No kid ever forced himself into any family. Right? Somebody wanted that child there. And especially as we're going to look at this, we're going to look at what the process of adoption looks like in the family, which means this. Your father wanted you. If you have a relationship with God, it's because he wanted you. This might fly in the uh, face of what many of us think about, but folks, God doesn't need us. He's not going, you know, I need a few more volunteers. He may help out. He can do whatever he wants to with or without us. He doesn't need us. He wants us. And so the Father's presence in our life is that he actually wants us first and foremost in this. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what kind of love that the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know who? Him. So this is God's love for us, that we would be called the children of God. Now, my earthly father's name is Carol. My earthly mother's name is Cheryl. Kind of rhymes. Okay, work makes it work really well. Um, Carol and Cheryl are my earthly parents. They brought me into this world, right? And they, they wanted me as a child. And, and, I'll, and I'm their child forever will be. And God is saying, and yet I want you as well for eternity. Why? Because you need me? No, no, I don't need you. In fact, let's be honest. How many of you know that for God to bring you into the family meant more issues for him? Is that fair, right? When God brought me in the family, it wasn't like, oh, this is going to make life easier. It's like, oh, here comes Trav. Like, right? like, so for him to bring me in, why is it? It's a great love. It's a great love. But it's so much, we would be called children of God, and, and so we are. And the reason why the world does not know us is it did not know him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So many of us are forgetting who our father is. And we're acting like kids who are abandoned and poor and wretched and don't have anybody in our corner. And I want to let everybody know that if you have received the gospel of Jesus Christ and you have come to faith in God Almighty, then guess what? The Lord Almighty is your dad. And if he is for you, who can stand against you? I mean, this, this is your, like... Who in the world can stand against you? Um, there was a, uh, our, our, our family, we, we homeschool, and there's a few different co-ops that, that meet here at the church, and so our family's a part of one that meets on Mondays where some families come together and push in and do some subjects where they can together better than they can on kind of their own, and it's been great. Our kids have loved it, but one day I go out there and ate lunch with them outside, and my daughter Gory comes up and says, Daddy, there's some boys that are bullying me, and I said, point them out, Okay. 
what I call the homeschool hoodlums. I don't know where they came from, but like they're like I said, you know, she said, you know, there's one boy who hit me in the stomach, and I said, point him out to me right now. And and Amanda's like, Travis, it's not your kid. I said, well, he's messing with my kid. And so like I've told Amanda, I said, you address it or I will, right? And so and so anyway, something happened. These boys were being really rough on these girls. You know what happens? When your daddy shows up, and, and once again, I know I'm not the most intimidating person looking in the world, but to a seven-year-old, I'm kind of scary looking, and I kind of like it, okay? Like, so when I, I show up, and I said, oh, is your name so-and-so? This is my daughter. And his eyes go, uh-oh, right? Like, th- there's part of me that I like that a little bit. I want a little fear, right? And, and, and Gloria said, just boys are just so mean, and just what's good for them? I said, nothing. You keep that in your mind, little girl, okay? They're good for nothing, okay? Right? And, 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 and deep down, though, right, that, like, she felt secure when her dad was around, right? Like, come at me, bully. You won't hit me when he's here. Folks, you need to live that way. Your father in heaven dwells with you. And he carries a bigger stick than anybody else out there. Stop listening to everything else everybody tells you. You listen to what he says about you. You listen to what he says who you are. Not what anybody else does. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 says... He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Adoption. God wants you in his family. Our family has been blessed by the power of adoption. You see our family, it's obvious that we are an adoptive family. And you know what an adoptive family is? Is when you say, I want this child in our home. I want this child to bear my name. I want this child to have access to everything I have. You have my name. You have my life. I will give my life for you. Why? Because I want to. You are loved. You are deeply loved. Some of you folks need to realize this. You just didn't show up at God's house. He brought you in. From the streets. From the cold. From the dysfunction. He brought you in. As messed up as all of us were. And he says, I want you. And you are going to bear my name. You are going to be a part of my family, and nothing can change that. Uh, you have down here at Jeremiah 31, verse 20, it says, Is Ephraim my dear son? Talking about God's people. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? Listen to that language. God speaking of us like a darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. God yearns for you. And when you drift from him, you know what your dad wants? To bring you back. He wants to bring you back. He, he wants to have a presence with you that he brings into the house and calls your own. The second thing is this, that he has the father's provision. When not only do you have his presence, but you actually get to experience his provision. There has never been a need that God did not provide for his children. I'll say that again. There has never been a need that God did not provide for his children. Some of you might say, I don't know, there's a couple times there where I felt like I went without and you are still here somehow. You made it. Somehow, so far, you made it. Psalm chapter 37, verse 25 says it this way, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children's begging for bread. He takes care of his kids. He always does. And so if you look back over your life, you will realize this. There are things you didn't even ask him for that he provided. He took care of. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6-7 says it this way, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Let me just stop there for a second. I mean, the word Abba, it really can be translated like this, Papa, Daddy. 
Now, does that sound like, oh, Heavenly Father of all... No. <laughs> Dad. I, folks, I can hear some other child yell Daddy in a store, and I know that's not my kid. You know why? I know my kid's voice. And when they cry out, Daddy, I know to come. And he says... He's put his spirit into us so when we cry out, Abba, Papa, Daddy, Father. And he says this, you are no longer a what? Slave, but you are a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I don't know what the financial situation of your parents looks like. And I don't know what the inheritance that you expect to get in your life. But let me tell you something like this. There is no inheritance like the Heavenly Father. He says, you're not a slave of mine. No, no, no. You don't come work for me. You're not just some hired gun that I want you. No, you're my kid. And if you're my kid, guess what? You get it all. You come in my house. You, you, you're blessed with every blessing that I have in the heavenly places. There is nothing that I'm going to withhold from you. Why? Because you are my kid. And I take care of my children. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Get this. What does it say at the beginning of verse 12? It says to all who did what? Receive him. Didn't achieve him, right? I didn't do all this stuff to achieve him, to, to find my way there. No, I received him, okay? I, I received him. Um, I can remember uh, in, um, when I played football growing up through school, and I can remember I played tight end for a few years, and I can remember that we had a quarterback whose arm was so strong that I remember one time, I don't think I caught the ball, I think I received the ball. Does it make sense? He threw it in my belly, and it's like there. I mean, like there, there wasn't a whole lot of catching. It just, I think, got lodged in there. I had an imprint on it later on that day. It was a thing that someone put towards me, and I received that. Right? I didn't go looking for it. It, it came from me. And this is what he says: the gospel. You, you, you don't do anything to achieve it. You, you receive it. And when you do, this is what you get: you have the rights to become the children of God. Children of God. And if you're God's children, you get what he has. And in this case, what's the most important thing he has? Salvation. Forgiveness. Redemption. You turn over the page there. You get to see James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Folks, you have anything good today to celebrate, show gratitude for, to thank God for? Guess who it came from? Your father. You go, well, I worked hard for this. Okay. Who gave you the strength to perform that task? Who gave you the brain to figure out how to do that? Who, who gave you the people in your life that gave you that foot up to get where you needed to go? Who, who did that? Your father did. All along the way, right? Doing stuff you, you weren't even aware about. Doing stuff all the time you didn't even... See, out there, he was providing and taking care of certain situations. And, and we're not even aware. I can remember a time where my daughter Gory came and said, Daddy, oh, I forgot such and such. I can't believe I, I lost. I'm going, no, no, your dad's got it right here. I saw you put it down. I picked it up because that's what I'm supposed to do, right? I knew you were going to forget it. I have it for you. It's all good. And she's like, how did you even think about it? Because I'm watching you, right? I'm watching you. And now in this, something good that is given to you comes down from in this situation every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights you can reverse that by the way too and say every bad gift and every really messed up thing in your life doesn't come from the father right it comes from somewhere else some of that stuff we went to the store and bought ourselves by the way okay you know nobody get we we, we we purchased it okay but he says if it comes good it comes from him 
with whom there is no what variation or shadow due to change. So many in this room will probably know this all too well. That you have either lived with a father, a mother, a spouse, or some kind of situation, or even a child, you never knew what kind of mood they were going to be in when you got home. You know what I'm talking about? And you think, "Uh uh-oh. And on the good days, oh, it was nice. Man, everything was great and jovial, and we're all having a wonderful time. And, buddy, if the wind was blowing wrong, you didn't even have to do anything wrong. You just walked in and you were in trouble, right? Like, what in the world? Like, I just, I'm just breathing right now. You shouldn't be breathing. Like, you just, like, pop off and just be out of control. And, and, and this is what's always, like, one of my prayers, first when I became a dad, is this. I said, God, please let me be consistent before them. I don't want them ever being fearful going, oh, what kind of mood is he in? I don't, I, I don't want that. I, this father, no variation. He is today who he's always been. He's not in a bad mood today. He's not going to fly off the handle today. In fact, you're not going to do anything. He's going to go, oh, that's it. I'm done with you. I can't, I can't put it up. I, no, no variation. There's no shadow. There's no darkness in his story that you know, like casts a shadow over us and causes us to worry about change because he provides for us. Everything good comes from him, and there is no variation with him. Now let's think about the Father's protection. Father's protection. Uh, God dwells in the places where we need him most. God dwells in the places where we need him most. So for anybody here tonight who feels like, you know what, I'm going through a specific situation and I feel like I am all alone, I would say, you're never alone. I'm going through such a hard situation. Y'all, have you ever had that friend that would always leave you when times got hard? What God does is he pushes even even closer the worse it gets. He, he's not phased by it. He's like, oh, that's nothing. He keeps coming in, keeps going in. Um, this is one of my favorite um, verses about God the Father in the Bible. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 30 through 31. I know not everybody goes to Deuteronomy for their normal reading, but this is really solid, okay? The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. I'll just stop there for a second. Like, how many of you would say, you know what, I can fight this battle or I can let God Almighty do it? Which one do you want to put in the ring, okay? God's going, I, I can handle this. Actually, I, I don't mind getting in the middle of this. I'll, I'll take care of that. That's light work for me. Yeah, I'll get in. The Lord your God goes before you, right? Not behind you going, oh, don't let anything hit me. No, he's like, oh, come on. Going before you. We were, we were just joking the other day. We were, a glory and I were walking across this street. And she's like, Daddy, but there's this car, and it's not, the car's way far off, and, the, and they were slowing down. I said, we can walk across, it's the, it's, you know, walk across things, it's all, all good. And she's like, how do you know? And I said, I'll put myself in front of you, because if this truck hits me, it'll get more damage to itself than me. And I was like, look, it's going to hit me first, you'll be fine, okay? Just trying to give this picture to her, I'm, honestly, I'm thinking through this. I want her to know, I will get hurt before you will. Why? That right there. Because the Lord God goes in front of the battle and saying, you ain't going to touch my kid. No. Arrow comes first, it'll hit me before it hits you. Soldier comes, it's going to go through me. And guess what? Ain't one soldier has ever made its way past God. He protects his kids. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. Not sending angels, not sending other workers. He gets down and dirty and does it himself. Gets in the middle of it. Listen to this. Just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Remember when you were enslaved and forgotten and abused? Remember that? And remember how he got you out to the Lord fight? Oh, you better believe he fought. 
What do the Israelites do to bring those locusts up from the ground? Anybody? What do the Israelites do to make darkness fall over? Nothing. They just sat back there going, well, now what? He goes, you just wait, wait, I'll take care of this. I'm going before you. I'm fighting for you. And then he says this. And in the wilderness, where have you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son? All the way that you went until you came to this place. Some of you think, how in the world have I made it this far? Because your father was carrying you. And you know what? You ever seen that kid who was kicking and screaming, trying to get out from the grabs of their father? Probably how some of us look recently, okay? And you know what? He's been carrying and carrying and carrying. How, how do I know, Pastor? Because you're here. Because you're here. Whatever brought you here even tonight, right? You're going, I'm just here for this or here for that. And God's wanting to say, I want to remind you the reason you're here is because I was carrying you like my kid. All this way. I didn't have the strength to walk back then. And you made it. How did you make it? Because God was carrying you to this place. Carrying you throughout all of this. Psalm 68.5. Oh my goodness. God is a father of the fatherless and a protector of widows. Is God, listen to this phrase, in his holy habitation. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? The holy habitation where God dwells the most is where you need him most. What does a fatherless need more than anything? They need a father. What does a widow need more than anything? They need a protector. And God goes, that's where I live. That's where I dwell, right up in the middle of it. Okay, so the fatherless feel like they don't have anybody vouching for them. I'll vouch for them. Oh, oh the widows feel like they're completely abandoned. Oh, I'll, I'll get in the middle of it. Like, I'll take care of all of this. This is where God lives. And I think so many times, once again, we go through hardships. We think everybody's going to run. God meets us there. God meets us there. How many of you know that the hardest time of your life was also the time that you felt closest to God. Why is that? Because he lives there. He lives where you need him. He's not going to run like everybody else does. Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. There was one time that one of my uh, beloved sons had done something very wrong, and it had been a uh, repeated occurrence, and I had been given discipline and whatnot. And um, I remember that I sat down, my son, and I said, Will you tell me what just happened there? Well, I said something mean to mommy when she asked me to do something. I said, Huh, really? In my house? Yes, sir. Ah. Uh. Which commandment did you break when you did that? Number five. Oh, what's that one? Honor daddy and mommy. Oh, really? Hmm. What do you think the consequence should be for you breaking the fifth commandment in my house? Probably a spanking. <laughs> a spanking for doing that? Yeah. I said, oh, no, 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 no. We're way past that. <laughs> what is it? I said, what do you think of Two spankings? Oh, no, 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 no. What is it? I said, Dad's going to give you something tonight. You has changed the world when someone like you continues to do the wrong thing. I mean, it's fear and trepidation now. There's shaking going on. What am I going to get? Dad's about to show you something's going to change your life. He goes, what is it? I said, it's called grace. And he goes, what is that? He's just fearful of it, right? Oh, gosh. It's worse than two spankings. That sounds awful. What is it? Dad's not going to give you what you deserve right now. 
you deserve this. I'm going to give you grace. You can go downstairs and you can play with your brother. And I'm not going to bring this up again. But don't you ever do this. Do you understand me? Don't ever do it again. You mean I'm, I'm not yet spanking? No. You know how much he trusted me? He walked out of the room still facing me. Walked out backwards like this. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I ain't turning my back on you, old man. I know what you'll do, right? Okay. Um, I came downstairs. My wife looked at me and she says, Travis, why is my son running through the house screaming? And I said, what's he screaming? You know what? He was running through the hallways going, Grace! Grace! <laughs> Grace! Other son came up and goes, Daddy, what's Grayson? Can I get some? <laughs> um, as a father shows grace and compassion to his children, right? What's the greatest protection that we've ever gotten? Grace of God. Not giving us what we deserve. And folks, for anybody in this life who ever has said, you know what I wish God would just give me what I deserve? No, you do not. You know what you want? You want grace. You want compassion. And that's what he says he's willing to protect you what to do. Two more sections here. The Father's purpose. We're going to move. Father's purpose. This is what, as you bring into family of God, to embrace God as Father means to engage in the family what? Business. Now, this is different than working as a slave for a master. You see the difference, right? Some of y'all have experienced this of coming on in the family business. You learned to trade early on and you did what they do because that's just kind of what your, your family has done. It's a beautiful thing. Um, right now, I know that I'm in a unique season and people will remind me of that. But when I come up to the church this afternoon early, my kids want to be here because they like being at the church and helping people. Got two boys that are, they went and uh, led worship at a church plant down the road with some of our other folks from our church today, and they're getting ready to practice to help out the youth. And I've had one who's been cooking dinner since 3 o'clock this afternoon for some people that she cares about and prays about a whole lot. Why? For whatever, she likes dad's business. They, they say, our dad, he helps people, and we want to help people, Right? At a whole greater level than this, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not working for a master. I'm working for my dad. I'm following him to work every day. I, get, I, I, I feel like I, I get in the truck with him and say, what are we going to do today? Dad, where are we going? Who are we going to help? What, what can we do, right? And, and so look at it this way. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, but now, O Lord, you are our what? Father, we are the clay and you are our potter and we are all the work of your God formed you. He made you the way that you are. He loves you. He's for you. He's, he's doing all these wonderful things in your life because he wants to be your dad. That's Isaiah, by the way, folks. That's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. That's Isaiah all the way back then. This is new stuff. God, you're our father. We're the clay. You're our, you've been working in. You've been preparing us and putting us for a purpose for what you've called us to do. Some of the things that people have criticized you for in your life, God actually formed there for other people's benefit. God made you that way. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 20. When you get in trouble sometimes, he says, For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Ever had somebody say, Man, how did you come up with that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. You're starting to sound like your dad. That's what it was. Have any of you ever had this moment where you got to your adult self and you thought, Oh no, I'm starting to say things like my dad said. You ever been there? Oh, no, I'm starting to act like, I looked in the mirror and I thought I was him. I saw a picture. Oh, no, I'm looking like the old man, right? In this case, folks, this is a good thing right here. You talk like your dad. Praise the Lord. 
You act like your dad. Awesome. You, you, you are becoming like him. That, that's the goal. So when you speak, we're saying, what would dad say in this kind of situation? I want to sound like him. John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am what? Dad's working? I'm working. Dad, what are you going to do today? Let me, get, let me get in the truck with you. Let me follow you. Let me shadow you at work and see what you're up to today. That's what we want to be about all things. And finally, the Father's precedent that, that he sets for us. Um, folks, there's a lot of heroes out there, a lot of people to emulate, a lot of people to look to as role models. But since God is our Father, we need no other example to emulate. He is the icon. He is the one that we should follow. He is the hero. And anybody else is a shadow of who he is. A shadow of it. I, I didn't write this verse down for you, but I want you to write this verse down just in the reference. It's Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. I want to read this to you really quick. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Paul says, For this reason, this is why I get down on my knees and I, and I talk and pray to my dad. Listen to this. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. You go, what does that mean? I want you to get this. God is not named Father to look like us. We are named fathers to look like him. Families get their name from him. We don't get it. He doesn't get it from us. So this is, he sets the precedent for us. John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, uh, just give you the context. Philip says this, hey, Jesus, you keep talking about the father. Will you show us the father? Just show us. If you just show us the Father. And Jesus said, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I'm right here. Like Father, like children of God. That's what you're called to. Well, I know you're not going to do it perfectly, but if you've got an example you're working towards, why don't you look at the way he's compassionate towards people who aren't kind to him? Why don't you look at the way he's giving to people who don't give a thought to him? You look towards that and you try to emulate that. Malachi chapter 2 verse 10. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? You know what he's saying there? If he's our dad, then how in the world can we be faithless to one another? He's always faithful. And if you're like him, you need to be faithful. He's our dad. Be like him. And then 1 John chapter 3 verse 10. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the who? Devil. Devil. Uh-oh. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. What does he say? Righteous people have one father. People who love other people, they've got one father. If you are showing unrighteousness, Jesus said it this way, you are like your father, the yeah. devil. Wow, well, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> but it, folks, let me just tell you this real quick. We're going to pray and we're going to be done. Every person in this room, every person out there in this world, we have one of two fathers out there, spiritually speaking. Either God Almighty or the devil himself. That's it. That's it. And you know what? You go, oh man, well I feel like I, my dad's been the devil the way that I'm acting. Guess what? God's in the business of adoption even tonight. He'd bring you in the family. Knowing all about your stuff, still wants to welcome you in. And so tonight, I pray this for you. Don't make God pay for the mistakes of bad dads out there. Learn from him and be like him. Let's pray to him now. Our dad who lives in heaven, you have a name that is like none other.
and we want your kingdom work to be done as, as just like the angels obsess about it and are eager about it in heaven, we want that done in our lives. And we know that you do too because you care for us. So we're asking you to give us this very day the daily bread that we need. And we pray that knowing you always have and you always will because you're a dad who doesn't let his kids starve. You're a dad who doesn't let his kids go without. And so, Lord, we, we ask that throughout all of these things that you would help us forgive others the way that we've been forgiven by you because we want to be like you. We want to restore relationships because we're your kids and do things like you. God, we're asking you not to lead us into temptation, but would you point us out the stuff that isn't becoming of the family name? When we get close to it, God, would you call it out? Help us. We want to be like you more than we want to be like the world, but sometimes we get so confused. We want people to look at our lives and to know who our Father is. Lord, and would you keep us from the evil one because he wants to bring us into that family and to keep us blinded and unrighteous and thinking about nothing but ourselves. But we have another example who loves us very much. He's not annoyed by us. He's not given up on us, but is ready to love and shepherd and to walk with us all of our days. Dad, help us walk with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us at the Equip Podcast. Make sure you get your notes and all of the downloads that you need to continue to be equipped for the work of the ministry. You can get all the resources for this episode or other Equip episodes at rockycreek.church.